This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. We are currently on our way up to some dancing in Lancaster, California. We just left the Orange Grove area in Southern California. We attended Luann Schemmel's class. Many of you may know Luann Schemmel in the line dance community. Uh, she was teaching a class from 7 to 10 p.m. last night, uh, this last Wednesday night. And we were lucky enough to <laughs> just make it for the last hour and a half. We had a blown tire. We drove down from Sonoma County. Uh, just, what was it, yesterday at noon we left. And we made it almost all the way. And then around the Pasadena, San Fernando, I think, area, we blew a we tire. an hour short. Yeah. So Megan's got new front boots on her, <laughs> on her car. I do. Yep. And uh, I'll, I'll pass it over her just to say hello. I'll be holding the mic for her uh, while she pilots our vehicle uh, capably through L.A. traffic. <laughs> hello, everyone. Yes, my car has new boots. Always a good thing for a dancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are very excited to give you our reflections from having attended Dancing for the Dream this uh, this past Saturday in Rockland, California, where Michael Barr and Joe Thompson Smansky were instructing a whole day's worth of some super fun dances um, with Scooter Lee singing along. She was there live, and that was the first time we got to do Dizzy with her singing live to yep. us. Uh, Michelle Burton was also there. Uh, running around helping helping with things and uh, uh, Norm, Norm Gifford was our and DJ his wife, and his wife Phyllis and then the day after that Norm had his own event which was a social in Rancho Cordova and it looks like traffic is nice and mellow right now it looks like we're coasting at a 25 to 30 miles per hour <laughs> on a major freeway which is about normal for LA I'd say yeah so uh, this is good traffic yeah, very good traffic Gives us lots of uh, opportunities to ponder what the last few days have been like. It feels like, you know, ages ago that we went to this event, but I'm sure that there are still some standout points in our memory from both of those days. I know for me it was very exciting because I got to bring my grandma to that event. Uh, Dancing for the Dream is a charity that Scooter Lee helped found um, some time back, and it really promotes health and fitness throughout the lifespan of the dancer. And um, I, I would say that the, the crowd there was mostly beginner to improver level. Those were about the level of dances they were teaching. And the, uh, the demographic was, I guess, generally what you might expect from uh, a line dance crowd. And, um, yeah, we were sort of the exceptions, the outliers that happens on occasion, depending on where we are. On occasion. <laughs> on occasion, yes. Um, <laughs> All right, so I'm going to just uh, hold the mic to Megan, and uh, she can give you some of her thoughts. Well, I know that I was originally extremely excited uh, because, one, I'm always up for learning new dances, and I really enjoy being able to be a part of a community that really supports everything that line dance can be for anyone which is, you know, healthy and happy and it promotes friendships and it uh, promotes uh, memories and just all of that. And being able to be a part of that was, it's definitely something I typically jump at. Then you add on the fact that it's for charity as well. That was something I was really, really looking forward to. 
Then you add in people like, I finally get to meet Scooter Lee, and I get to see Joe Thompson Zemanski, and, you know, Michael and Michelle, and I was, I was just very, very excited for what kind of intimate family setting this event was going to be, and it certainly did not disappoint. Um, it started out with some great warm-ups, which I know a lot of times I, I don't stretch before... I start dancing. I don't warm up. I just jump in and, you know, hope for the best. And so they really start, you know, took care of everybody. And they made a point to have um, the beginners, the absolute beginners. If you, It was, what, like one to six months, I think. If you've been dancing from that time, um, you were, they had made sure you stood up in front. Because, as it turns out, really, really brand new beginners learn visually. So they're able to, you know, like, see the steps and essentially mimic them, whereas some of us more seasoned dancers can be in the back and we can hear Wright Sailor and know which way we're supposed to be moving. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool that they brought all the beginners right up front and really made sure to really focus on them, and they taught a bunch of different little beginner dances that can go to just about anything, um, this way there could be floor splits, which is always always important that everybody is allowed to dance. Um, and so that was a lot of fun that they, they always taught two dances per song, essentially. Or they reviewed one of the beginner dances and then taught a newer dance. Um, and they everybody encouraged, you know, try it. Try the new dance. If it's too hard, then that's okay because you still have this other one you can do. Which I thought was really cool. I thought the swinging thing was an interesting dance because it's one wall, it's 32 counts, and yet it's just varied enough that it could hit different spots in a dance. Like, uh, you've got, was it walk, 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 kick, back, 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 touch, walk, 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 kick, back, 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 touch, out, and out, and then uh, left together, left together, left together, clap, clap. And all of that happens on one wall. Yet, like, if the song goes in a lot of different directions, then different parts of that dance will still hit different parts of the music. So I think it's, uh, it's nice to be reminded that, uh, like, just because a dance isn't choreographed to be particularly complex, the way that it can interact with the music can still be complex. Uh, Rita's Waltz was another one where, if you're not familiar with waltz rhythm, and you are really just for the first time learning about left, right, left, right, left, right, then doing it on one wall, that's perfectly fine. And there was a group uh, in the front doing Rita's Waltz just as the one wall version. And then uh, there was another group that was encouraged to try the turn. Like if you're not getting lost on this turn, then like give, give that turn a try, the three quarter turn over the shoulder. And then uh, there was also the one wall second chance waltz with uh, Michael Barr that I thought was also interesting because you do face every wall but at the end of it you come back to the front wall so it doesn't feel like a one wall dance and yet it is <laughs> so I think that that's uh, definitely a waltz I'd recommend as along with Rita's waltz as uh, first waltzes for folks um, the uh, second chance waltz was a little higher in complexity level um with all those turns, so maybe that would be 
a later waltz to learn, but um, definitely like within maybe the first five to ten before you start getting into all the like what heaven on earth and things, um, which I still need to learn. That's such a good dance. I, I really enjoy watching it. <clears throat> I thought the venue was um, well chosen for this crowd because it was large. It was in a gym. Um, it didn't feel crowded, but it felt like it was well utilized. Like there weren't any corners that just stayed empty. And for most of those dances, people were out there. There weren't a lot of, ooh, this is too hard for me kind of dances where people would just sit and watch the other folks who they thought were like the real dancers. Like everybody felt like a real dancer at this one, at yes. this event. Yes, absolutely. Um, that was one of the few things I really did enjoy was to see how many people genuinely tried each dance before they were like, no, this is way too hard. I can't actually do this yet. Um, I know there were several people... I mean, let me backtrack a little bit. I found myself leading one of the walls for the majority of the events, um, which is kind of where I, that's my comfort zone, um, since I've been your back wall for so long now. And the ladies that I was helping around, um, like they were, they were really fighting for it and they genuinely wanted it. And it was so cool to see someone who had, saw a challenge in a dance, but wanted it so they didn't give up. And then, you know, they tried it a couple times and then there would be like, you know, they'd get a little bit dizzy or a little tired or whatever for some reason. They'd sit down for a few minutes, but then they'd jump right back up and come right back on that floor and try again. And it was, it was really just encouraging to see for me. Um, and it reminds me like, you know, not to give up quite so easily that I may, you know, in the future or whatever, like struggle with a dance. It's okay to take a, a, you know, a few minute break and then come back and keep going. Um, but a quick shout out. Happy birthday, Lee. I'm glad you're listening to the, the show today. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're really, really enjoying your birthday. Um, but back to the event. Um, I had so much fun just watching Scooter Lee in her element. Like the singing and just the entertaining and the encouraging and just all of it. Like she looked like that was exactly where she was meant to be and it was so much fun to watch her and then to see her interact with Joe and Michael and even a little bit with Michelle like it was so much fun it looked like just a bunch of friends getting together and just having a good time and so that just totally rolled straight through all the other people that were in this room and so everybody really felt like family there which was definitely something that I've noticed about almost all events when it comes to our line dance community. They do make a really good point of making everybody feel included, so. Uh, you've mentioned, and I wonder if you could help describe, um, Michael, his tally. <laughs> um, well, nobody's perfect, shockingly enough, um, and there was a couple times where our instructors, be as experienced as they may be, had an oops. They described something incorrectly or they started at a different spot than they were supposed to. They forgot a couple counts. Um, well, Joe being Joe in this event did not, whereas uh, Michael a couple times did and he made a joke about it in front of everybody 
and he mentioned that Joe hasn't messed up and that he would tally each time that he messed up, which was definitely fun and engaging for um, the people learning and everybody around. It made him very relatable, which was nice. Um, and like we had said in our previous um, our previous episode, how you need to give people permission to laugh at themselves. He definitely did that in this event. Yes. Uh, it's definitely a casual atmosphere. Uh, I noticed that at uh, Norm's event as well. Oh, it's hard to hear me, apparently. Oh, my goodness. All right. So uh, we just received live feedback over from Facebook. Cat Painter. From Cat Painter that um, it's it's uh, tricky to hear Megan so I'll speak up. See if that <laughs> works. <laughs> All right, Megan. Megan says that she will speak up, and we will see if that works. Uh, so yes, the, uh, the casual atmosphere on both days felt like we were all equals, and I, I, I think that um, Michael, in doing his tally, gave that sense of, like you were saying, you know, we all we all have that moment of like, oh, right, this is the thing that I intended to do, and it didn't feel like. One of those big events, I think we've mentioned this in previous episodes as well, uh, where at some events it feels like you're there to say, like, oh, I was here. Like, I, I am one of the few people who was able to get a ticket to, like, this thing or that thing. And this was just, we're there to learn. Um, we're there to take dances home for our own classes. I thought it was a hoot, like, seeing them do Midnight Walk when we just taught that at Twin Oaks, like, days prior. That was great. Like, it really makes you feel connected in in that way to the bigger dance world when your group of, like, six people who learned Midnight Walk, like, they could do that with this giant gym full of people now if they came to the event. Yeah, um, that's definitely something, as well as I do know one of my favorite moments was... I believe it was during Rita's Waltz when Joe stopped for a moment and started talking about technique. Um, and she started talking about how to hold your hands and how to move your body and how, you know, when you move from the core, your arms can follow naturally as opposed to making it look very inorganic and forced. Um, and she broke it down as to, you know, this is how you look hard. This is how you look soft. This is how you look natural. And that was really cool. Another thing she did was during, um, I think it was 1159 by Rachel McEnany White, she actually broke down the triple step um, into third position. And so it helped people actually properly get into that, um, that lock step or that triple step so that she could actually, you know, like you have the right frame for your body as you're moving forward and backwards and to the sides. Um, which I thought was really cool. It one, you know, it's one of those things that I've done naturally, which is definitely a bonus for me, but it's nice to know exactly how you're doing something. So you're less likely to injure yourself. Another tip Joe gave was when she was teaching one of the dances, she dropped the name again after doing a couple repetitions of the first couple eight counts and said, you know, for you, instructors out there this is a great thing to do because people will remember the dance name that way as you're instructing them so that was definitely very informative for me who is aspiring to be a dance instructor 
along with uh, the technique that you mentioned, I thought it was helpful, and maybe we're underrepresented in this category. Uh, she mentioned for guys who are doing Rita's Waltz, uh, how we might want to hold our arms and frames differently. And she she pointed out the connection between the was it the second and third fingers with the thumb for for the ladies and soft. soft wrists. And she said for the guys to look a little more masculine, um, we would want our fingers closer together, almost like a karate chop, but not so stiff. And uh, have the hands as more of an extension of the arm and less like you know flowy doing. Uh, or a ripple, uh, you know, in a wave, um, more uh, connected. And she said that I think that comes back to frame when you're partner dancing. And I think you were starting to point out as well what when we were on the floor that um, that sort of mimics how when you're partner dancing, the guy would have his arms kind of firm like that, and then the lady might have her her fingers draped over his you know his uh, hand. So. I thought that was nice, um, since guys don't always get a shout out who are at these these sorts of things. Um, I think a lot of whatever style. I mean, I definitely have <laughs> have learned some different things going from country bar to you know, circuit world, like all the different dances that are done there and all the different styles you pick up in doing those dances. The people I would follow are people like Rachel, <laughs> and the style that she's adopted for herself may not necessarily be like a universal style and as much as I love doing nice pretty flowy things because that feels natural especially for those kinds of dances or even doing pieces and following the way Dustin does it because he moves so pretty like those those are nice options to have alongside what Joe was mentioning which was something I'm less accustomed to which is like barrel chested you know manly macho frame I really like all the flowy stuff, but I like knowing also what I could do if I wanted to present myself a little bit you know, more like Lumiere or something. Yes, absolutely. I love that she she broke down for the different styles and uh, adaptations you can show uh, while dancing. Uh, she really definitely focused a lot on the arms moving organically. And she's, you know, she had us as if you were in water and just kind of twisting your body back and forth and imagining your hand running through the water. And so, like, you know, your body leads first and your arms follow afterwards, which I know for me, one of the things I've been working on consciously is the idea of what to do with my hands. I don't like the idea of dead hands or fish arms or however you may describe them because it just looks really... Like, I'm not as enjoying the dance as I actually feel like I am because I'm not doing anything. And I certainly want to do more than just put my fingers in my buckles, the, you know, the way it used to be. So it's nice to know that, like, if I really consciously focus on my core, that, like, things will happen naturally. I like that lunch was provided at this event. It, it's one less thing that you have to deal with like where am I? I I'm in a new area I don't know what there is for food I don't know what a reasonable price is around here and sometimes you don't even know what you're craving so to have a full sandwich and some uh, was a fruit and nut bar and like some other snacks uh, free water bottles all of that was included in the price of admission and I thought that was really 
consider it. I know that's one of the things I've always appreciated about Wine Country Line Dance is how they'll have a table full of food set out so you don't have to leave the event for that one more reason. I, I know that uh, if my momentum is going really strong and it's broken by, like let's say I'm in Vegas or some, some kind of big event and I need to leave for whatever reason and I go up to my room, it could be a while before I'm back because it's when you slow down and when you stop that your body catches up and it's like, hey, you're tired. Look at that pillow. Isn't that nice? You know, I just want to lay here for a little bit and then you're out <laughs> and you come back at some point during the dinner break or during social dancing. Uh, if you don't have to leave at all, then that keeps the flow going, keeps the blood pumping, and you don't uh, you don't find yourself tempted to just not come back. So I, I'm glad that that was made available. Um, I guess Boogie sort of had that to some extent as well, where the different tables had the different things laid out, and then, of course, they had the dinner at the end. So maybe... Maybe it's a California thing. I don't know. Maybe we're just really good about that in California. Who knows? Well, to be fair, we also haven't traveled a whole lot outside of California yet. If anybody would like to recommend any events where they have really good food, please do. Uh, I saw some interesting things happening in New Orleans, but I think a lot of that was just in the greater community outside the event itself. I think our next event, uh, if not Pikes Peak, which we're hoping for, uh, would be Fun in the Sun. And we don't really know what things are going to be like down there. I remember when we went to Big Bang, people told us about um, Southern hospitality and things like that uh, over in North Carolina. So I don't really know what to expect expect out of a, a Florida-type event. Um, oh, I also really appreciated how well they kept the temperature controlled in Rockland in summer for this event. I didn't. I never felt uncomfortable. No, absolutely not. Like, I mean, there was a few times where I got warm simply because, you know, I was dancing, but never overheated or uncomfortable. I also never got too cold either, like if the air conditioning was on too high, which I have noticed sometimes at a few events, if you're sitting for a little bit, then, you know, like you can definitely feel the air conditioning. Um, but this one, they did a great job at the temperature control. I thought everybody was very accessible as well. Like you already mentioned that uh, Scooter seemed to be in her element and my grandma had not really any idea who Joe was. She had heard of Scooter Lee before because she said that um, she's done these kind of events in the area before but she didn't really know who Joe was and by the end of the day she thought she was just great. You know, She hoped to go to another event with her and I think that I think that's a fair representation of Joe. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, she's so just amazingly welcoming and just wonderful to be around. And, you know, it's very easy and natural just to pick up a conversation with her. And so that doesn't surprise me at all that she would um, be able to connect with your grandma. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michael and Michelle definitely, like, as they were going around the room, they seemed like normal people. Like, people from the area... And, of course, they are. Uh, they, they're from a little bit further north in California. And uh, this event was in semi-north California, northern California. Uh, a little bit farther north, like about a half hour up from Sacramento. And they're maybe an hour or two uh, even beyond that. So they definitely it's had their local worse. people. It's getting worse. Can't hear Megan at all. Oh, my goodness. Well, it, uh, 
We have a report from Cat Painter saying it's getting worse. Can't hear Megan at all. Hmm. So uh, we've we've pulled off from the freeway to a local road, and I think now would be a good time to cut to a bit of music. And we're gonna take a look at this microphone situation and see if we can't uh, boost the sensitivity a little bit somehow. Maybe raise the gain. All right. So until then, here is. Here's some music that uh, is on my computer, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this may be familiar for some, so enjoy. <laughs> 